What's going to happen here is I'm going to preach or talk to the youth this morning. So if you're an adult, you may stay and listen uh, if you like, um, but be quiet. Uh, don't disrupt us because we're here now. But we're continuing in a ser- series. I'm going to talk to the adults and then we'll come back in a second so that they know because they get all nervous. Uh, we're continuing a series called Correcting Our Vision. And what, what we're in right now is we're in the book of Matthew and Jesus is saying, you have heard it said X, but I say this. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to get our heart focused on what's important. And so the first one was, do, you've heard it said, do not commit murder. But I say, don't even be angry with your brother. I want to take it to the next level. And we've been talking about going to the eye doctor. And for anyone who wears glasses, you, you think you can see okay until they bring in the clear lenses. You, you, see, you know what I'm talking about? And then... Um, and so, uh, by the way, I will, be the, the, I will sit in the middle of the youth today. So uh, it's crazy. I'll talk to them. How, how are you doing? Good. Okay. So uh, correcting our vision. So all of a sudden you get that new lens and you go, man, that's what Jesus is doing. He said, you think you had good eyesight? Try these on for size. It shows our hearts. So we've talked about do not commit murder. I say do not even be angry. We've talked about um, do not commit adultery. But I say don't even... If you even uh, lust after a woman, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. So now, we're on divorce. And you say, well, why in the world would I choose Divorce Sunday <laughs> to talk to the youth? <laughs> right? They're not, even, they're not even married yet. My generation sucks at marriage. They're terrible at it. They've done no better than the generation before them. They have an ungodly view of marriage. They don't understand it. They don't do it well. And when it starts to turn out badly, they call it quits. And you guys know, you've been in families that have gone through it. It's painful. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to give you guys a chance for your marriage. And if there's any kids here like below the age of 13, not babies, keep the babies in here. Don't worry about the babies because they don't understand what I'm saying anyway. Uh, but I'm going to be using some terminology. I'm going to be using the S-E <laughs> word. Okay, so if you guys have a problem with that, um, that's, that's you, you should leave now. I already used the word sucks, so yeah, there they go. Okay, <clears throat> so here we go. So what I want to do is I want to get to this generation before you get married to try and divorce-proof your your future marriage. To try and give us a foundation so that we can have something solid by which to find a mate and by which to get married. And so um, we'll go ahead and read this this section of scripture here. Uh, Go ahead to that next slide. Matthew 5, 31. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Harsh words by Jesus. And quite frankly, I don't, I'm sorry, and quite frankly, I don't believe my generation believes that. I think we've given up on marriage. I think we've, We've totally wussed out. 
once it starts to get hard, and now listen, the other thing too is for any adults who might be listening to this, if you've been through a divorce, I am not condemning you one bit. God is totally, I mean, listen, I don't want to sit up here and start rattling off all, all my deals either. <laughs> so please understand, we're starting from today, not, not from yesterday or the day before, from today. So if you've been through a divorce or you've been married five times, it doesn't really matter. God is in the business of restoration. So I'm not condemning you and I'm not trying to come down on anybody. I'm just merely trying to get to the next generation before they get married so that they can begin to see maybe a different vision for what marriage looks like. And so having said that, I won't be making any more apologies um, but because uh, you understand my heart on this. Um, but we have. Our, my generation has, it's just, I mean, we celebrate it. We celebrate it. We, celebrate, we love when the stars get divorced, nobody laments. You know, I don't either. I mean, I'm, believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm just as guilty. We, you know, if someone's been married three, four, five times, it's... But Jesus has a different thing. And what I want us to get is the heart of what Jesus is saying here. This is what we've been talking about the last few weeks. And we will continue to talk about in correcting our vision. 1 Corinthians 7, 10 through 11 up there says this. To the married, I give this command. Not I, but the Lord. Okay, this is coming straight from the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband and her husband and a husband must not divorce his wife. Now, <clears throat> there are reasons for divorce. And in Matthew chapter 19, we're going to hit the, all those really hard. Okay, we're going to really talk about divorce on, uh, on the, uh, when we get to Matthew chapter 19. Because the, the Pharisees come again and say to Jesus, you know, they're trying to trick him. And so if they're trying to trick Jesus, we're going to talk about that in Matthew chapter 9 and show how Jesus is way better than the Pharisees and never gets tricked. Uh, but this morning, I want to talk about how to not have a divorce. Is that what I called it? Go ahead to the next slide. Yeah, how to not get a divorce, okay? And this is primarily, as you guys are dating, I don't know who, I don't, I don't keep up with all your personal lives, but sometimes I see boyfriends coming in on Wednesday night, and then they leave, and then you're crying, and girlfriends, and uh, arguing over by the basketball. I know, I know, because Lisa and I went through all that of, like, arguing back and forth, and you just don't understand me. Oh, yeah, you know, and then all your friends get involved. But that was, that was much too much information for that. But, um, so how do we do it? How do we date? How do we look at our future? Because marriage, for some of us, just seems so far off, right? I, I keep saying us. I usually like to say us, but for you, okay? I guess this week I can finally say you because I'm already married. Uh, but for some of you, marriage might just seem like forever from now. You got college, you got whatever. You haven't met anybody. Now's the time to start thinking about it. And what I want to do is give you three points on how to, how to uh, not have a divorce. First, have a relationship with Jesus. <laughs> You're like, wow, John, this is the most powerful message you've ever g given. I've never heard anything quite so profound, right? <laughs> have a relationship with Jesus. A relationship. Going to church isn't going to help you. None of that's going to help you. A relationship. What do I mean? Happiness, remember when we talked about the Beatitudes? We talked about the Beatitudes is blessed are. It, the literal translation is happy are those who are persecuted. Happy are the pure in heart. 
What makes us our happiest? It's not marriage. It's not a boyfriend. It's, it's a right relationship with who? With Jesus. See, it's so important to go into these dating years and to go into this marriage already fulfilled in Christ. If we're looking for the marriage to fulfill us or the boyfriend to fulfill us or the job to fulfill us or straight A's to fulfill us, we've already lost. It has to be a relationship with Jesus Christ. It has to be that we go into that relationship fulfilled. And if we're not, then we have no business going into a relationship because we're, we're, we're vulnerable. You know, you go in and there's something lacking in your relationship with Christ. And all of a sudden, this girl comes in, and she, oh boy, she fills that void. She's filling a void that Christ should be filling. Or if it's a boy, that, that vo- void Christ should be fill- fulfilling. So why do I say that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I want to give you just a few things real quick. The first reason is you will have the best chance to discern from God which spouse to pick. Okay? If you try to do it on your own, with all the hormones and emotions and all your friends going, he, he likes you, he likes you. Or, you know, you're, you're a guy and your friends are like, oh yeah, yeah, she's totally digging on you, dude. You know? <laughs> guys, she, she's not totally digging on you. I just, guys say that to each other just to build each other up, but she's not. She thinks you're too hairy and disgusting. <laughs> but, um, so all the guys are like, huh? All the girls are like, hee hee, that's so great, yay. Okay. But you have the best chance to discern if this is the right spouse. Because you have the Holy Spirit going, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Have you guys, I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship where, man, the Lord's speaking real clear. No, 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 not this, not this guy, not this girl. Right? When we have a relationship with Jesus, when it's, when it's in tune and we're, we're, we're con- we, we love him and we're talking to him and we're in the word, when that's happening, the floodgates are open to hear from God. And that's where we want to be before we get married. Before we get married. Before we get married, we want to be in that spot. You'll have the best chance to discern from God. Second, you'll get the best marriage counselor in the world, the Holy Spirit. Compared to the, I, I'm not that good a marriage counselor because I, I don't. I'm probably. I don't know. I'm just. I, I'm just not that good. The Holy Spirit is awesome because the Holy Spirit cuts through all the garbage and goes, "Get out of here, you really." You know, it's like, oh, and, and then my husband always does this, and I never get. And the Holy Spirit says, "Get out of here, your husband." You know exactly where the problem is. The Holy Spirit just bam, bam, bam. And if we cut that off, we're in a lot of trouble. But if we have a relationship with Jesus, not only will we discern the right spouse, but when we get into that relationship, the Lord can begin to work on us in a whole new way. You know, you, husband, you did not lay down your life for your wife there. Or wife, you didn't submit to your husband. See, you'll get the best support group in the world, the church. You go, well, John, the church sometimes like gossips and all that. Not, no, they really don't. I think the church gets a bad rap. I, I think our church is awesome. I'd put anybody in any one of our small groups. I don't think they gossip at all. Maybe I'm naive. I know sometimes it happens, but you get the best support group. God designed the church to be the best support group in the world because it's supposed to be full, full of people who really care about you. Okay? You get the best uh, support group in the world, the church. You get the best opportunity to grow a marriage serving God. 
That is the best opportunity you have to grow your marriage is when you serve God together. And when you're looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if it's to fill some need rather than to get together and fulfill a need, you've got to be careful with that. The marriage is designed as a partnership. And not only a partnership for each other, but a partnership to go out and do great damage for the kingdom of God. And so that builds a very strong marriage. Marriages that serve, couples that serve together are very strong. Selfish couples that are out for, for money and all this kind of stuff, they're, they're not that strong. That's not always the case, and none of these are always the case. I mean, there are marriages that are going on right now that are doing fine where they're not Christians. That, that's fine. I'm just saying, for your foundation, your best shot is this. You'll get the best opportunity to grow a marriage. Serving God. Serving in His church. E, you will have a standard to live by that trumps all circumstances. This is so important. If I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, no matter what my circumstances are, I, I know how I'm supposed to act. And then when you get married, it's like dating on steroids. The emotions are higher. Everything's more intense. And there are circumstances that come out. You lose a job. You have a kid you weren't even expecting, you know. All these things. Well, if, if we're used to living on our, by our circumstances, we're going to get worked in marriage. If, if, if you get all bent out of shape over little tiny things, wait till you get married. You say, John, you're scaring me. Good. Good. I think the next generation needs to go into marriage scared. Just like my generation needs to be scared of adultery, like I talked about last week. This next generation needs to go in scared. Because it's so valuable to God. He cares so much about it. So you live by a standard that trumps all circumstances. So no matter what happens, you know, you know what? I've got the Lord. I've got the Lord. I've got the Lord. He's going to tell me what to do. And when you have a couple who's in that place in their life, nothing comes between that marriage. F or dot back there. You have a better chance at humility, which is the key to marriage. See, if you've got a relationship with Jesus, and you have the church, and you've got the Holy Spirit, and you've got the Word, you have a better chance at being humble. And that's the attitude you need to go into a marriage with. Humility. It is not to fulfill your needs. It's not to fulfill my needs. It's not to even fulfill Lisa's needs for me. Okay? It's to glorify God in that marriage. Remember, God trumps everything. Through that process of relationship, we have our best chance at humility because there's something that we care about outside ourselves. And humility is a key to marriage. G, dot, seven, or whatever number we're at. You have a means to deal with your natural tendency to sin. <laughs> Okay, so let's pretend there are some adults all over here, around in this area, over here, okay? <laughs> They're all sinners, right? Lisa and I, we're sinners. We are going to sin. I'm going to hurt Lisa's feelings. I'm going to say something stupid. She's going to hurt my feelings. She's going to make a mistake. We're all going to sin, okay? But what happens when sin goes unchecked? It brings forth death. Remember we talked about that? That when we sin, it plants a little seed and that, 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 that seed grows up and it, it brings forth death. Well, if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can get rid of that early so that nothing sprouts up. So that in your, in your marriage, there's no root of bitterness that takes hold. 
a relationship very close to me, not in this church, very close to me, is um, is just so jacked. They never got through the bitterness. Ever. I mean, they've been married for years, years, tens of years, 30 years, 40 years, I don't know how many. And they just never got over it. It's just really sad. Check this out. Here's what happened when Adam and Eve, when they ate the apple. Genesis 3.16. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Okay? Remember, I don't know if you guys remember we were talking about this before. The way marriage is supposed to work is the husband is the head of the home spiritually, and the wife is to submit to the husband. Now, in America, we freak out over that because we get our value from position and status. My boss is better than me because he gets paid more and he makes more money. Wait, that's the same thing. He gets paid more and he makes more money. And, you know, I have to answer to him and do what he says. Therefore, he's more important than me. That's the American mindset. So when you read something that says, hey, wives, submit to your husbands, you go, oh, oh no, you didn't. I'm not going to submit to him. He, he doesn't, you know, right? Because that means, you like that? Okay. Um, right? Because we... We, that makes us mad. God does not view it at all like that. God doesn't look down at the man and go, hey, you know what? You're the head of the household. You don't want to know why? Because you're better than she is. I made you better. She's just, whatever. God goes off on men. Goes off on them when they don't treat their wives with respect. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, the sin is the woman wants control. That's her natural tendency now. God set it up that the, man's, that the man has authority and the woman wants it. And the vice versa. God set it up that the man was supposed to lay down his life for his wife and he treats her like garbage. That's the sin. Well, with Jesus, we have a, we have that, we have a means to deal with that. We have a means to deal with that natural tendency to want to operate outside of God's ideal. Okay? So, number one, have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, understand the role of marriage. Understand the role of marriage. Marriage is not to make you stop feeling lonely. That's not why you get married. Marriage is not so that you can um, have babies and a house and live the American dream. I want to share with you just three things. When you find that special someone, <laughs> this is so awesome. I'm really practicing for my daughters, by the way. This is, I appreciate you guys listening to me. Ask yourself, why am I getting married? Why, why am I getting married? I want to give you a few things real quick. First of all, marriage was designed by God as the primary relationship. Think about it. All of us came from marriage. Now, some of us didn't. Some of us came outside of marriage. Some of us have some weird family relationships. But that was not God's ideal. God's ideal was that marriage was going to be the primary relationship. One flesh. Five times the scriptures talk about this. You've got to get this down. When you get married, or when you have sex with someone, I said it, right? You become one flesh with that person. Paul says it's a mystery. 
See, we think we've got it all figured out. But you literally become one with that person. And so to separate that would be like, here I am, I'm one flesh, and here I am. And all of a sudden, I tell my leg, you know, it's just not working out. I found somebody else. Um, they really make me feel special. Uh, you don't make me feel special. And uh, this isn't what I signed up for was this leg. So I'm going to cut it off. I'm going to get rid of it. That's how God sees divorce. He sees you as one flesh. That's how he sees you. And so to, there's got to be a really good reason why I would cut this leg off. A really good reason. And there are times when you have to cut your leg off. Okay, that's got gangrene or whatever, the frostbitten or I don't know. There are times, extraordinary, bizarre times when you would cut that leg off. Otherwise, that's the leg you got. And that's what you're supposed to do. It says in Genesis 2.24, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. You say, well, that's talking about marriage, Pastor John. You said if you even have sex with somebody, then you become one flesh. That's God's design, that you have sex with one person your entire life. That's his design. I know, I'm, and I'm, I apologize for being so raw or crass or whatever, but I mean, oh my gosh, turn on the television and there's lots of stuff I could be saying. But listen to me. This is important because when you're dating, you've got to keep this in mind. Is this the person I want to be stuck with forever? Okay? There's all sorts of talk out there about having to be sexually active and understand. And th th because a marriage is supposed to last 40, 50 years, you've got plenty of time to figure all that stuff out. You're supposed to learn it in the safety of that sanctity of marriage. That's where you're supposed to learn it. Not from the internet, not from girls and boys talking and all that. It's, that's where it's supposed to happen. That's the ideal. That's the way God set it up. One flesh. The other thing that was designed by God as the primary relationship was to support and serve each other. God, Adam came and God says, this guy, he doesn't, he, he, needs, he needs help. <laughs> he needs help. So he created woman. The idea is that we would be partners together, serving each other. When you think about getting married, can I serve this person for the rest of my life? It's a question we need to ask ourselves. To stop what's going on of just, it just didn't work out. Okay? It's a picture of Christ and, oh, let me mention this. This is very, very, very important. Your marriage is your primary ground for ministry. Okay? Understand this. Your marriage is your primary ground for ministry. Some people here I can look out. I know we've talked about being maybe called a full-time ministry. We've been called to this. Some of you guys have a heart for children. You want to serve the children, work in the nursery. Awesome, 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 awesome. But don't tell me about that after you get married. Your primary ministry is your spouse. That's why Paul says when he's talking to the elders, an elder must be able to have his house in check. Because if he can't, he's no good. A leader who, can't, who doesn't have a healthy marriage is no good. They need to go and fix that. 
They need to spend all their time. You cannot have a crappy marriage and then go out and like change the, the world. That's not the way God designed it. He designed it that your, your marriage is your primary ground for ministry. So pick somebody that it's easy to minister to so that you guys can both go out and change the world for Jesus. Secondly, it's a, it's a picture of Christ in the church. Now, when you begin to ask yourself, who should I marry? What should I do? Who should I pick up? Ask yourself, oh wait, that didn't, that didn't sound right. <laughs> that sounded horrible, by the way. Uh, ask yourself this. How, what, let me ask you a question. What things divide Christ and the church? Like what, what would happen where Christ comes down and he says, you know what? I'm divorcing you guys. I'm tired of it. Is there anything that's going to have Christ come back and go, you know what, you guys, I'm sick of you, all you guys. This whole church, I'm sick of you guys. What would cause Christ to divorce us? Only one thing. And that's if we totally reject him. We just, you know what, we're done. I, I don't believe in you anymore. I'm, I'm, I, that's it. I'm just, I'm finished. I reject you, Christ, and you walk out. It's the only way. Christ isn't going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. And so when we look at that, when we look at Christ in the church, we answer a lot of questions about marriage. Do we not? Like, well, what can I get divorced for? Or you can get divorced for whatever Christ would divorce you for. There's your answer. This is what it says in Ephesians. Here we go. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. (laughs) Submit to your husbands. I love that. It's my favorite verse. I've got it pinned up in the house. All the, it's, when you walk in my house, it just says, it's in neon, and it says, Wives, submit your husbands as to the Lord. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's actually in bigger neon right above it. I forgot to tell you. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. Gave himself up. Husbands are to lay down their lives for their spouse. These two primary things go back to almost every single marriage problem we have in society today. Lack of submission by the wife, lack of a husband laying down his life for his spouse. It is essential that when you're dating, you pick a guy or a gal where it's a little easier to fulfill this. <laughs> and if you're dating someone now, that you go, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Get, break it off now. Break it off now. There's, there's no business dating unless you think this might be it. You don't gain anything. You don't gain any experience. You don't gain anything. It's just dangerous. So it goes on and it says, I don't have this up here, but it says, uh, and gave himself up for her to make her holy See, the, the, the wives just have the submit part. The men, it just goes on and on and on and on. Look, you loser. This is what I'm talking about, okay? So, so young men, listen to this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present, to her, uh, to, present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle and any other blemish but holy and blameless. In the same way, in the same way, the exact same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. There we are again, one flesh. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now listen, Paul goes on after that and he says this. This is a profound mystery. (laughs) That's what he says in verse 32. 
But I'm talking about Christ in the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. If you go into that, if you go into a relationship with that, understanding the role of marriage, you've just knocked out 80% of your issues. Is it still going to be hard? Yes. Is there still going to be issues? Yes. Is there still going to be growth? Yes. That's why it's supposed to last forever. If not, if it was only supposed to last a minute, then it would be like, oh, yeah, we got that figured out. Let's go on to the next one. No. That's not the, that's not the way God had designed it. C, and when we're talking about understanding the role of marriage, understand God's sacred view. This is so essential. We need to have a sacred view of marriage. Sacred. In the Old Testament, you commit adultery, death. No polygamy. Okay? Which is essentially divorce and remarriage. You end up having two fleshes. Okay? And again, if your parents have been like divorced three times or don't like walk in and go, you adulterous and wicked generation, you know, (laughs) what's done in the past is done. I'm not talking about going back and doing anything. Don't divorce the person you're with to fix the divorce. You know what I mean? So just, we're taking it just one day at a time, starting with today. Number three, God hates divorce. God hates divorce. You say, but John, what about for adultery? What about all these ways you can get divorced? What about the loopholes? It doesn't matter. God still hates it. Because he allowed a couple reasons to allow a divorce doesn't mean all of a sudden he's oh they committed adultery yay let's have a divorce and he's all happy about it he still hates it it still wounds him and I think this is a section of scripture that we have to drill into our brains early because here's the thing if you pick the wrong person and it doesn't work out you could end up doing something God hates Isn't that weird when you think about it that way? Like, I need to pick a person that where I have the best chance to not do something God hates. Here's what it says. And uh, let's see. In Malachi 2.15, I think I have there. Yeah. I'm going to read the first part of this before we get to that part. It says, in Malachi 2.13, it says, Another thing you do. You flood the Lord's altars, altar with tears. You weep and wail because you, he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. And you ask, why? It is because the Lord is acting as a witness between you and the wife of your youth because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Now listen, has not the Lord made them one? Here we go again, one flesh again. In flesh and spirit, they are his. And Why? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself. Guard yourself. Listen, the best time to guard yourself is right now. Before you're dating. Before you find somebody. Guard yourself. Break the chains of the generation before. That is terrible at marriage. Self-centered. Not seeing God's divine outlook on it. Guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with your wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment. In other words, he's saying, dude, you guys are just, your marriages are just driving me crazy. I can't even listen to you. 
Why? Because you have lost the fact that you're one flesh. Understand God's sacred view. Go into marriage scared to death. Because we don't want to do anything that God hates. Number three, marry a person that has a relationship with Jesus. Wow, John, this is inspired. Have a relationship with Jesus and marry someone who has a relationship with Jesus. Wow, oh, that's so deep. Listen, I see it all the time. You know this answer, and yet I watch young people. Oh, you know, he, even though he doesn't, he's not a Christian, he still lives better than a lot of Christians. <laughs> Leave him alone. We love each other. <laughs> or guys, yeah, but she is hotter than the blazing sun. If I let her go, what am I going to do? Marry a person that has a relationship with Jesus. Why? Why? Because what's going to attract you are the things in your heart that the Holy Spirit is stirring up. You have to ask yourself, why am I attracted to this person? I want to show you a picture real quick. Let's see, what do I have on there? Go to the next one. Yeah, look for quality. There we go. Okay. So that guy on the left, he was a, a Mr. Universe. And he beat out Arnold Schwarzenegger. His name is Don Gandhi. He has a J. It's like G-A-J-D. Who in the world? Gajda, Gajda, Gajd. And that is uh, Elizabeth Taylor, okay? Very, you know, attractive. Look at that. I mean, by the way, that stomach is kind of, I got, it looks just, well. And so that's Liz Taylor, right? Here's what they look like now. Go to the next slide. There they are. That's both of them. Now, I'm not saying they're ugly. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying, what are you going to base your marriage on? Because I'm actually... Honestly, I'm actually looking forward to the day Lisa and I look like that because our, our relationship is going to be so much richer and so much deeper. Now, I have to confess, I did pick out Lisa because she was attractive. But here's my point. Okay? Here's my point. There were other... Did I tell you guys how Lisa and I met? It was in the eighth grade. Well, we didn't meet in the eighth grade, but I was, I was, my, I had a best friend, Paul, and uh, he, uh, it was their graduation, and so, his eighth grade graduation, and so I went to Paul's graduation, and I was like sitting there going, oh, this is the most boring thing, and then the salutatorian got up to give a speech, <sighs> there she was, I mean, I'm telling you, she had, flo her hair like came down to here, and it was like, I was just floating, lost in the basking, right? So my friend, I said, I said to my friend Paul, who is that? Lisa's last name was Williamson at the time. He said, that's Lisa Williamson. I said, oh my, oh, yeah. That's a, he said, dude, don't even think about it. She's a good girl, right? <laughs> I said, well, I'm a good, I could be a good boy. <laughs> so I was in the eighth grade and then we went to high school together and we had an algebra class and we were talking and stuff. It was awesome. <clears throat> <laughs> so 
So here's what happens. We went to the same church, and so they had a sex talk in our high school thing about, like, <clears throat> how far is too far. And let me tell you something. If that's what you're asking, you're in trouble already. <laughs> I'm not kidding. If that's what you're asking, you're in trouble already. Because you know what? Adults do it all the time. Maybe not if they're married, however far is you can do. But if you're not, but they ask this all the time. How far is too far? What can I watch on television? What, what, what rated R? Which movie should I see? What, at how far can I go? Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Get, get that down now. Don't, how far is too far is in the question. But they had this thing. So they gave us this little chart. And I asked Lisa if it was okay to share this. <laughs> and she said no, but I'm going to share it anyway. No. So it had holding hands on one side and it had like sex on the other, right? The whole gamut. And they actually like put some stuff in the middle and I'm going, oh wow, this is cool. So we went for, we went for a walk and, and they were talking about setting up healthy boundaries early. So we go on a walk and I, and I said, hey, look, you know, we should probably, since we're dating now, set up our healthy boundaries. You know, I'm, I'm all on boundaries. And so I said, I'll just start ripping at this end and then you just like tell me when to stop. You know? <laughs> so that's taking spiritual leadership right there. Is that like most of our, it's like most of our marriages. Like, I'll just do it and you tell me when to stop and then I'll be the head of the household and you'll be submitting to me. So I start, you know, and I'm like, you know, ripping, ripping, ripping. I'm like, ripping, ripping, ripping. <laughs> Hello. Here's where we are now. Just so you, okay, keep ripping. Okay, keep, oh, okay, right. So we ripped down to this thing that I just thought, well, why are we even dating? <laughs> and then, you know. best thing we ever 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 did I had no idea I had no idea that that little slip of paper was going to become the foundation of our marriage because we dated for six years and we were able to make it I mean we were able to make it and let me tell you something it wasn't because I'm like Mr. Spiritual Right? It's not because, well, that's because you're a pastor, John. I was not a pastor then. Okay? It was difficult. But you know what? It wasn't as difficult as people make it out to be. We really loved each other. The foundation of this relationship was on something way more than that. And we didn't lose anything by waiting. Anything. Foundation of our relationships for the next generation in their marriage has to be based on eternal things. It cannot be based on things that pass away, the external. So this means you look for qualifications of our first two points. Are they a believer? Um, what, how do they view marriage? Do they have a sacred view of marriage? You look for those qualifications. M- looks, that's great. You're going to be attracted to your spouse. You should be attracted to your spouse. I'm not saying find the ugliest, uh, most spiritual person in the world. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll show you. This means you look for qualifications. You use eternal standards. The second thing we have to understand is any two spirit-filled Christians can live in peace together. Now, I believe, I've always believed that Lisa was absolutely the person for me. Okay? That, that there was, God's plan was that we would get married and we'd live our life together. But here's the thing. I married the wrong person is not an excuse to God. If you're living by the Spirit and they're living by the Spirit, you can get along. You can make it work. You got the Spirit of God. 
If you can't, who can? <laughs> if two Christians can't make it work, who can make it work? Nobody can. And then that was a stupid design by God. Why would you create something that can't work? Well, God doesn't design anything stupid. Any two spirit-filled Christians can get together. The last thing is it's a command about marrying another believer. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. That means, uh, remember we've talked about this before, a yoke is something you, oh man, I'm running over time. Here we go. A yoke is something that you put on your neck that you're going to go plow. Two animals. In Deuteronomy, it says this is so cool. Let's see if I have it in here. It says, uh, do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. <laughs> That's what it says. Two different kinds. Of, you got an ox and you got a donkey. And now, for those of you who are married, you're going to have to figure out who's, who's which. But uh, <laughs> no, it says don't, don't get married. Don't get, it's going to mess up. And let me tell you, if you're, spirit, if you're a spirit-filled believer and you're with a non-believer, it might start out fine, but you're supposed to be rowing that corn row straight. And if all of a sudden they start pulling off, no, no, you know, I'm not into church anymore. I'm not into this. And, you know, I don't want to tithe. Why do we give our money to that? Let's give our money to this. It, you cannot do it. Ultimately, it's going to fall apart. Well, he'll become a Christian. She'll become a Christian. Uh, no. No. Don't make that contract that... Because when you... That's the thing. You've got to understand how marriage works. To God, when you say, I do, or when you have sex, that's it. That's, that, that's the person to God. You made your choice. You just signed a contract before God. You better sign it with somebody who's got the same capacity to hear from God. Because when you do, it's the most amazing, glorious thing in the world. See, on the one hand, be super frightened of marriage. When, when we get to Matthew 19 later on, we'll talk about the, the reasons for divorce and when we can so that all the adults can figure out how they can make it, uh, how they can fit, fit, fit it into that square peg. But um, it goes like this. Jesus gets confronted by the Pharisees in Matthew 19, and they're like, hey, can we divorce our wives for any and every reason? Now see, what they're hoping is that Jesus is going to go after them and say, no, you can't do that, because that's why John the Baptist got beheaded. Right? John the Baptist confronted Herod, I forget which one it was, um, and said, your marriage is sin. And he got his head cut off. So they're hoping... Ooh, I'm going to talk about marriage. And Jesus is going to say, no, you can't. And then they'll go, hey, he's talking about your marriage. He says, can you get divorced for any reason? And Jesus says, any, I tell you, anyone that divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. That's what, again, in Matthew 19, it's the second time in Matthew he said it. And here's what the disciples say. And here's what you guys are probably saying right now. His disciples said to him, if uh, this is the situation between husband and wife, it is better not to marry. <laughs> they're like hey Jesus uh, dude are you dead serious about this because if so we better not get married did I put up there oh yeah Jesus replied not everyone can accept this word but only to those whom it has been given for some are eunuchs because they were born that way again these are some terms we normally don't say in church uh, others were made that way by men and others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven See, not everyone's going to get married. But there's a reason. 
is for the kingdom of heaven. That's why Paul says, if you get married, your first love is going to be to your wife. And it should be. That's your first ministry. But those who don't get married can focus on the kingdom right off the bat. Uh, the one who can accept this should accept it. Uh, Jesus isn't given a way out going, well, if you can't accept it, that's the way it goes. Listen, I, I'm not trying to preach at you guys. I just so desperately want to see, see, because this youth group, you guys, I've never seen a group have this much potential. I mean, you absolutely floor me. You amaze me. I got the picture of the walking. You guys did the walking. How many people were there? All smiling. God has got so much great stuff planned for you guys. So much. He's given you a great uh, youth leader in Kai. He's given you great leaders. The student leaders are raising up. The enemy wants to destroy this. And one of the ways he's going to do it is to get you sidetracked and pick the wrong man. We are in love.